Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and Martina Miller, who's a full-time maker running Naughty by Nature Designs. We've all encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 61, where we're going to get to know Chris from Elevated Grain. What's going on, Chris? Not too much, Trevor. How are we doing? Good, good. And Martina. Hello, I'm here. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't the last one on, so I don't know why you're talking crap. I I wasn't the last one on. The (laughs) TriCast, because I'm on it. (laughs) But how's everybody doing today? Good, just getting ready for the weekend now. Chris, does it feel good to not have a craft show or event today? Yeah, it does. It's just, it's nice to kind of recoup a little bit, get some time back in the shop, start for the next one. That's great. You're at them like every weekend. Um, I slowed down a little bit. There was a couple that um, I had signed up for that I ended up not doing, but trying to get a little bit more discretion with the ones that I'm doing now. So why don't you go through and kind of talk about Elevated Grain and what you do since I don't think everybody knows that. Yeah, so Elevated Grain 716, I started as a um, kind of like a small just woodcraft woodworking business two years ago. But before that, I was kind of just, you know, like most people probably just tinkering in the garage, starting in just CNC, small woodworks, cutting boards like everybody starts with. And now I've really tried to just grow it into more of a custom business. So if you guys have seen on Instagram, I did like those giant table base letters. The dog feeders is what really started the business. So those farmhouse dog feeders, I do a good amount of those. And then... Well, that's cool, man. I'm actually amazed at how popular the dog feeders are. That's... You're not the only one that I've heard that from, too, that can... Like, their business took off because of dog feeders. Yeah, it was actually um kind of a fluke. I had a woman reach out. She was doing a farmhouse-style kitchen and she wanted a dog feeder to match it so i ended up making one for her and i just put it out on etsy and facebook marketplace and it kind of just took off people love their dogs that's for sure that's some people spoil their dogs like a child so that makes sense like if you can find that niche market right there and have people willing to pay the prices for that that's easy money right there i'm pretty positive there's people that spoil their dogs more than i do my kids probably but you are taking your kids to disney world in a week so oh i'm sure there's people that take their dogs (laughs) I'll I'll report back. <laughs> I don't think that's know. allowed. I think they are, but they're usually service animals. Well, I don't I don't think you can just like up and take your dog. Hmm. I think it has to be a service animal. I would hope, because I mean, it's not. What are you going to do with your dog while you're on the ride? Hey, strap them in. <laughs> that that animal's probably braver than me on a roller coaster. The dog would probably be like, oh, "This is awesome." Yeah. <laughs> so much so much wind in my face. It's like the wi- head out the window thing. It's yeah. Just the you know. <laughs> They don't even have to open the window now. They just get on a roller coaster. But it'll be fun. So with the business and everything, are you actually full on like an LLC now? Uh, Yep. Uh, Last August, I converted over to an LLC after being a sole proprietor, just doing a DBA. So that's been a big change, but it was 
kind of the necessary leap to take. Well, and it gives you the, well, I don't know much about the sole proprietor side because I kind of skipped it, but it does give you the tax benefit of not paying sales tax on materials and stuff with certain suppliers. Yeah, and that was one of the things that when I first switched over, I didn't know, and then I found out a little bit after uh, the fact, but that along with just the protection that the LLC gives you was kind of the big impetus for that, you know? Yeah, that's pretty much why I did it. It's next on my list of things to do. It was pretty straightforward to do, but if you're really paranoid, you might want to just have like an accountant or lawyer do it. Yeah, I have someone that will be able to help me set it up. It's just a matter of like scheduling and getting us together and taking the time and doing it all. But it, I think I feel like I would sleep better at night if I had an LLC under my belt. Well, especially if you end up installing things at some point, I think you need licensing. Right. That's where it gets tricky because I have, I build for friends, obviously for those people like, oh yeah, I'll install it. It's no big deal. But then at the same time, like, how do you like, oh, I did this for a friend versus I did this for a client if they're paying for it. You know what I mean? Where do you draw that line? So, yeah. But with the last build, he needed, because it had those two attacheries on it, and he wanted it secured to the wall. And I was like, I technically can't attach it to the wall. I was like, I, you can order the earthquake straps from, and it was right after we had that earthquake in California, too. I was like, you can order the earthquake straps from Amazon if you want. I have a contractor buddy that will come out here, do handyman work and attach it for you, but I can't technically do it. Yeah, you need to get the license. Yeah. So then I just lost like a couple weeks of sleep thinking that like his kid was probably climbing on the towers before they were secured to the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's my so. biggest worry with stuff like that is after having a toddler, it's like just the liability of any of those installs just as... Dude, even me, like the other day I was cleaning my house and I jumped up on my TV stand because I have like a beam along the wall that has like uh lighting behind it and i had to dust it so i was like i'll just get up on this entertainment center right here and dust it off and i was like this could easily tip over like if someone did it wrong you know what i mean and here i am so then it just like increased all my nerves about not having an llc get on it i know it's on my list it's on my list yeah it was pretty straightforward it's definitely a process but it wasn't too terrible there's a I mean by me I'm sure there's by you the local small business classes um mm-hmm. helped yeah. out huge because they've done it so many times you know The only downside for me is that they're always when I'm at work You just got to like, quit your job Oh there's this class it's at 12 p.m. Quit your job Oh someone needs a waffle Yeah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel, Chris, like every time we talk about business acumen and everything, like in our group chat or whatever, you always have like crazy knowledge of like the legalities of stuff and like your codes for your area. And I was like, this guy like must do some serious research because he's so much more professional than I am and has all these answers that I don't know and I should know. Yeah, a lot of mine is just the paranoia, you know, and just the unknown. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of that research, and then this summer, I was lucky. I was able to take a small business class that was run by people who start small businesses all the time, and the amount of knowledge that they have that they pass on was just immense. It was, yeah. I definitely need to since I had the flexibility with my schedule. I definitely just need to do that. But 
I think we've all learned by now my attention span is not very large, so sitting in a class for that long, I'm a little worried that I wouldn't take away as much as I should take away from that, so, but I just need it. I need to grow up and take it. We'll see how you handle WorkbenchCon. Dude, there's a lot of shiny stuff there. I think that'll be an excellent environment for me. Yeah, dude, squirrel? Yeah. <laughs> right? But how long until you lose Trevor? That's the question. Two seconds. Oh, he! Can, I apparently, since I have to hold his projector and carry it to his demonstration, there's only I mean, he's only not you have said this. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get lost. So I mean, I hope he's going to get you like a Maker Vision, you know, or Maker Experiment crew shirt or something. You know, make it look legit <gasps> when you walk in. He's going to make me make it because I'm the <laughs> one that made his <laughs> shirt. I was just thinking. <laughs> I am going to need more shirts for that. I will have to put. I have to get. Well, after this, I need to order shirts. So maybe we'll talk about getting some shirts some blanks ordered for you because i don't want to pay for shipping so there we go yeah that'll be that'll be fun are you going to that no um not this year i think i'm i'm actually going to save up a little bit this year i want to take a couple uh hand tool classes so i'm gonna save save some money for that that's probably a good idea so what are you wanting to focus on not only the rest of this year but in 2020 so 2020 i think the biggest thing for me is kind of finding that niche like you know like i've talked to you guys in the group chat quite a bit um about kind of a little bit of a pivot point for the business and getting away from doing a lot of the batch work and the pinterest recreation that a lot of people order um and just really working on my own stuff the cnc and now the laser if i can get that running is probably going to play a bigger role in 2020 than it did in 2019 lasers are awesome i'll be honest it terrifies me i wasn't afraid of the cnc but just something about the why are you terrified of the laser because it's an instant fire starter if you're not careful well, that's what i was i was gonna ask because it like the materials and the fumigate fumigation no like extraction <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but do you have exhaust run or you're still trying to get everything set up yeah, I'm still working on getting everything kind of set up, but it's just that uh, that fire factor is just something that wasn't as big with the CNC. And when I bought the Shapeoko, I'd already had a smaller machine, so I kind of knew the ins and outs of it. But the laser is definitely something that's brand new, you know, outside of using one at the makerspace. It's a whole new world. You're going to see how many little Disney lines you can throw in before before next week. I was wondering if you're going to catch that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at first I thought about it, I was like, no, I'm not going to say it. And then I thought about saying it and then actually referencing Disney. I was like, no, I'm just going to say it and see if she picks up on it. <laughs> uh, so you start, is your laser non-functioning right now? You said you need to get it up and running or is it just the exhaust or you bought because it's used? Like, does it have damage to it? No, it, um, it's just falling down the list. You know, you know how the list goes. You put it on the list and then it slides down the list and you add more stuff to the list. Well, I mean, it only took me about six weeks to do my wasteboard, so I totally understand that list and things falling behind. My 3D printer is still in the box <laughs> that I've had for like two two years, three years. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's hopefully today, maybe I'll get to it, but when I bought the CNC, I mean, I took the box out of the car and I started putting it together right away, but this one is going to be, I think, a slower process. Just don't forget your water cooling loop. Yes. <laughs> and, See, and we, make sure you use distilled water that makes sense so you don't have any like calcium buildup in your like mm -hmm. hard water yeah yeah 
Yeah, I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube and the forums on these machines since it's not a not the highest of end machines, so I'm really trying to make sure. No, but it seems to be like the go to entry level one, so there's a lot of people that have had it. Yeah, the open source for it is great. And the amount of material on the forums has been huge. And even Instagram, the amount of people who when I put that post out kind of sent me advice and some do's and don'ts and here's the things that are probably going to break that you need to replace. <laughs> I like that probably going to break. Is that what Josh started with too? That same laser? Yeah. Got it. Oh, that's perfect right there. Yeah, so Josh will help you with it. Yeah, oh, I hit I'm him sure. up right after I got it. So he sent me a whole whole list of stuff to look into. So I guess this year's question, Chris, is will you be making the jumbo letters in 2020? Yes, we'll be making the jumbo letters again in 2020. Um, it pays the bills. It does. It does. They just take up a lot of space. How tall do they average? Like, what's the average height of them? Uh, they're 30 inches tall by 20 inches deep. Dear Lord. Yeah. That's big. And I have a set that I have to ship, which is going to be an adventure putting those on a pallet. Yeah, that is definitely a pallet shipment. So, is there not a market for you locally to rent those out? So, actually, what um for those letters that I did previously, it's for a wedding planner. So... I work through them, they rent them out, and we kind of work a deal after the fact to keep the price down for them. Got it. So that's worked out. A lot of the um, rentals that are up here, you have to know somebody to know somebody type deal. So that's actually something for 2020 that I'm trying to ramp up a little bit is kind of getting my name out there, kind of the services, and just trying to make those business contacts. Um, so I'm curious, because you have the 716 in your... That's the Buffalo area code, right? Yeah. In your name? Yep. How come... Is everyone from Buffalo super Buffalo proud, or is it just the Buffalo makers that love being from Buffalo? Because, like, you, built by Brad, like, uh, Lumberjack, like, you guys are all about Buffalo. Is it just <laughs> you guys in particular, <laughs> or... <laughs> Uh, it's amazing how many times I see the area code in people's names. Not just Buffalo, though. I feel like they like he has it in his logo. Brad has it in his logo. The Buffalo in the background, like they these guys are proud of their city. And I don't know if it's just them or if that's like everyone loves being from Buffalo. No, I think if if you're here, you got to embrace it. You love it. But I don't know. Is the area code not as prevalent out by you guys? Because I know, like up here, like nope. As no one can see our head shake, but no, that's not a big deal for there's, my area. There's only one business I knew of that was like 702 and then whatever their name was. And that was the only one. Yeah. There's, we have a local brewery here that's like, it's ours is 559, like 559 brew. And then a lot of like to get like an Instagram handle, they'll have it at the end of it, but it's not their business name, if that makes sense. But it's not. Maybe because ours doesn't sound cool. I don't know. We don't have like a little animal that represents Fresno either. So it's not like we can throw that on anything. I so. can put a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to put. Yeah, Buffalo lends itself I'm, to that though at least. I mean, you get an animal like I could see if I could see if you're from there maybe. But I, I just keep moving around. So. A little nomad? 
Well, I never wanted my name to be dependent upon my location. So, like, if I did 702 something, if I ever move, I would feel the need to change it because I'm no longer 702. I don't think, not that I, like, love the city I live in, but I don't think I'll ever leave it. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that I would be the one making that call. (laughs) (laughs) If we move, it'll probably be like, okay, I'm ready to move. I'll be like, okay, let's go. Like, moving doesn't bother me. You're like, please don't let it be 113 wherever we go. I mean, unless we move out of the United States, I don't think there's many places that we can go that would be drastically hotter other than, like, Arizona. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do your cold. That I used to do the cold. I know how you do the cold. No. I, like, I think I would freeze in place. Like Sometimes I would, you do. No, <laughs> I could not survive. We have, in our winters, we have a couple, like, really cold days that, like, the, you know, highs like 40 degrees. I'm like, I can't leave the house. There's no way I'll survive out there. I'm not built for this. Like, Yours is worse than mine ever was, but I think you get used to it just like you get used to the heat. But the other thing is, you never know a real winter until your ice scraper breaks mid-scraping and you have to use a credit card. (laughs) No. I don't want that for my life. I've had it happen. That's why I gotta have multiples. Yeah. (laughs) Except for they were always in different cars. (laughs) We get fog. I can drive through fog like a champ, but that's about it. We we just get a lot of wind. Yeah. I it's weird how windy it is over there. Yeah. Like it'll it'll move my civic across the road. That's pretty hardcore. So what are you guys working on this weekend other than uh, dog feeders? <laughs> the dog feeders are going out. That's the the delivery route this week to uh drop all those off, but I'm hoping to start with the laser. I have a couple signs to run on the CNC too, so hoping to knock those out. One day I want to see. I want to get a CNC. Yeah, you have a lot of wants for your shop: new computer, CNC. It's okay to have wants. Mm-hmm. I need to finish um, spray painting that infinity sign. I just huh? I feel like because I don't spray paint often enough. I don't have the spray paint skills, and then it makes me think of you, Trevor, and your spray paint skills, and it drives me freaking bonkers that I get blotchy spray paint. <laughs> so I'm like, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of screw ups. I was like, okay, let me, I shook it up real good, and then I was like, okay, let me spray it off the piece first to start, and then do these even strokes, and then I got to the center of the sign, and it's just like a big old blotchy. Did you prime it first? I did. I used that filler primer because it's MDF. So... Do you have one of the spray paint like triggers that helps keep constant pressure? Oh, I do, but I've never. Use that. I forgot that I have it until right now because I very rarely spray paint, so use I'll have it. to use that. It'll help. Um, yeah, that was you, a game so changer. I... Usually, what happens is you're spraying and then you don't notice, but your finger pressure will change and uh... you're you're pushing too hard in the middle. Apparently, if that's where you're getting your heavy spot, or you're moving too slowly. Do I need to reprime it to get that off? Like, just to start fresh? How bad is it? I'll send you a photo later. <laughs> okay. It looks like it's flat spray paint, and it looks like I hit the center with gloss. 
if that makes you sense. You might have to sand it completely God. off and start oh, over. This is literally the freaking most cursed project I've ever had. I've been working on it Honestly, since... you know what? It's probably... Because what was that made from? MDF. I would recut it and no, just start over. I... Because if you try to sand that off, it's going to take forever. Dude, so I've had to have tried this file at least 15 times. I've broken like three bits from whatever issues I've had. Like one of it because I tried it with plywood. One because I was too thick of MDF. The other day I was like, oh, I should be up and running because I have my wasteboard all set and I can clamp it down. Nothing's going to shift anything like that. And I forgot to adjust the file depth. To a quarter inch from three quarters of an inch. So as soon as the bit dropped, it went right into one of the freaking T-nut holes and snapped my bit because it thought it had to go deeper. I was like $35 down the drain right there with that bit. One thing I have noticed is that, so I've made, granted I'm on a laser, so I've made the mistakes of like not adjusting the depth, but it only takes once to remember to adjust the depth. Like next time you'll remember... <laughs> Double check everything. No, sh like, right. Like, I, oh my God, it's just such a pain in the butt. I've had to do this so many times, and luckily it's for a friend, and he's super chill about it. He doesn't care. And I told him that it's been my nightmare project. He's like, I'll pay you more for it. I'm like, you paid me in February, and it's now September, and I still haven't finished it. You don't owe me anything. Welcome to automated manufacturing. Oh my God, I'm just. Where you have new problems to deal with. I it makes me they cannot feel, be resolved by just you know sanding. It's or user filling. error for sure, and it's so discouraging. <laughs> so. It's as many people as I see posting about like how CNCs and lasers do all the work for you, and it takes you know all of the craft out of woodworking. They need to try it because it is not an easy thing to do. Like, it introduces a whole new level of technical problems. Like, because you're introducing software issues, you're introducing driver issues, you're yep. introducing toolpathing issues. Like, there's so much that can go wrong. And it's it's a lot of money to replace yeah. anything, any component of it, too. If you have to buy a new bit, if mm -hmm. you want to, like, do your upgraded wasteboard so you have the clamping system in it, that's money. If you, sometimes you need a new computer in order to operate the software, like, it's yep. a, it's a money pit, potentially. Yeah. So, I'm and then you run into these, <laughs> these careless issues of, like, oh, I forgot to adjust the depth and that's all your fault. It's like, what a, like, that sucks. Oh, it's even worse when, like, if you're engraving something, in my case, and you don't adjust the depth and the material is like $150 mm -hmm. for a little tiny sheet. Granted. And you screw that up, you are effed. Yeah, granted, I'm just doing quarter inch MDF, so a 4 by 8 sheet is $13, so that's nothing. Yeah, that's But when you're bad. snapping bits, like, it's not like you can just go get some freaking Irwin little cheap router bit, you know what I mean, and put this in, mm -hmm. like... Yeah, you can. So it's it's a pain in the butt, and it's not like anywhere sells them locally, so you have to pay for shipping. And then if you go cheaper and get the ones on Amazon, so you can get it right away, they're not high quality, so it's hard. Yeah, if I ever get a CNC, I plan to have a spare of the bits that I use the most. It's, a, it's quite an investment just in the starter pack of bits itself. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was the. Uh, I'm well aware. That was the biggest unforeseen cost when I bought the CNC was just the amount of money you ended up putting into bits between, mm -hmm. you, you know, you need to get a, you have a down cut, an up cut, a 
Mm-hmm. Um, and learning Sounds the difference like between guys... the down cut and the up cut and the compression bits and mm-hmm. all this stuff. It's like, oh my Sounds god. Sounds like you guys need a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to someone the other day about it. It's like um, one of the major CNC bit sellers is not as willing to help out the little guy anymore as they used to be when there was issues with their bits. And now it's I think they're getting so big that it's like you have to have a certain follower account to get yeah. or follower I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, a year ago, it wasn't like that. Like, their customer service was amazing, and they'd hook you up, and now it's a, a little bit different. Yeah, well, and I don't get what's going on lately, but Instagram seems to have, like, stalled out unless you're posting things that are provocative. <laughs> <laughs> like... Everybody I know that are building projects and making cool things are gaining, like, I don't know, like, 15 followers a month. I just, it's, I mean, if you read any articles about Instagram and where it's going, like, you have to be an influencer to gain a following now. That's all the content they're pushing and putting in your feed. And if you're not following those accounts, like, it's all of a sudden, like, pulling up as a suggested account you should follow. And that's where the game's going. So it's just hard. But I know, like... I know I'm not the only one that took an Instagram break. I know a couple people are doing the same thing because they just get discouraged because they're not gaining any business or following through it. So it's like, what? what's the point of dedicating time to it? It's like, that's where I was at. That's why I had to take a break last month because it was just, just mentally it was in my head and just yeah. had to like step away. I mean, outside of using the message features, but right, the feed just starting to get so stale and a lot of the stuff that was getting posted was just sponsored 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 and no real engagement it's hard because i definitely feel like it's everyone who i follow on my page is another maker you know what i mean and it's really dedicated to that so i can like scroll through it and draw inspiration or like know someone that builds something so when like a certain type of thing so when i have an issue like oh i can message that maker and ask him for help like i feel like it's so curated to maker space now because of who i've been following and interacting with that it's it's really hard now that i feel like everyone's trying really hard to get sponsored because now i can't see the techniques they're using to ask questions about how they did it because it's like this post that's geared towards like oh i just got this in from such and such sponsor or i'm using this new material like this new whatever jig that i want to this company to sponsor me so i'm just going to highlight this item so it's really hard like i feel now it makes me lose a little bit of inspiration and excitement about making stuff because i don't have that content thrown at me of like cool creative ideas anymore go to pinterest i try like but Pinterest is different now and you can't see what's trending like you can only see who you're following and what they're pinning and search oh. specific items. So Pinterest- I usually just search like a a term and then just look at what comes up like I've, laser cutting or laser Well, like engraving. I'm trying to build um a little coat rack for my entryway now that I have my hooks looking the way I want them to, which was frustrating. But I search coat rack and it's literally Every other picture is the same exact item. Yeah, you get that too. So I'm like, there has to be more than this style of coat rack. And it, none of this is gear, like getting my wheels turning towards something I want to make. Not that I want to make exactly what they made. You know what I mean? But I just want to yeah. see like 
couple design ideas and pull from each of those and make my own but i get that well and right now like i'm starting to get that ig discouragement i guess and it's it's more for like i i make a project so like i post a, a sign i made it's like this will be really cool and then it'll get like 100 likes which i still think is good but then i'll see somebody that posts like a screwdriver and they get like 500 likes and they have one third of the number of subscribers I'm like how does that even make sense like that's the part that frustrates me is people are just posting tools that they bought and they are getting way more exposure than something that took me like 30 hours and that's kind of why i've just gotten discouraged with it yeah i think that's what really got me too was just the amount of posts that were popping up would be just a picture of a screwdriver with a thousand likes and while i know the number shouldn't matter in my head like it does it does weigh on you when you're scrolling through that feed and just seeing over and over and over but after i took that break and i know we had talked about it in the chat but that maker's playground has been a nice little relief just really just seeing what people are making and the sponsorship yeah is not need to check that really out. there so you don't see all the sponsored ads but the community over there has been good it's kind of like, it reminds me of Instructables meets Instagram, where like you have just things are, that are being made, kind of like Instructables is, but it doesn't have all of the like how-to, it just has like a short blurb of what you did, and that's it. So it's it's kind of going back to what Instagram was when I started, which was no influencership, you're just posting projects, and that was it. So it's kind of cool from that perspective. But the other thing is, to me, I agree that the likes don't really matter, and they shouldn't matter. And it's not the number that I care about as far as like, oh, I personally feel like it deserves more likes. No, it's like, I'm running a business, and the likes equal the exposure to get Instagram to push it. And that's where, unless you're paying to get pushed, it doesn't seem like you're getting that like exposure and extra traction so you basically if you're a business on instagram you need to start paying the money or you're not going to get any more traction that's, yeah that's how it is on facebook too like if that's you, why i got rid of facebook yeah if you well, have a reasons. business page on facebook you you have to pay money for ad yeah. space that's the only way you're going to get any exposure and that's what if, bugs me it's like you don't have enough money already at facebook because facebook owns instagram yeah, right so it's it's really they're taking the facebook mentality and now putting it into instagram and it's just frustrating yeah it's like i shouldn't have to pay constantly to promote my business on everything right like if i wanted to pay for advertisements like i'm gonna put it somewhere other than social media like i'm yeah. gonna put it to where it's like actually in my city and exposed mm -hmm. in there you know what i mean like this yep. is, i want to put my my product on social media to like get feedback from other makers and say like oh you could have done it this way and it would have been better or like if you're having trouble doing this do that you know what i mean and it's hard because it's like none of your content's getting pushed out there because you're getting like covered up by ad space correct yeah and that's that's one reason too i mean i said i had had etsy previously but i really just focused on more local stuff now for that same reason was if i'm going to put money into advertising and get my name out there and mm -hmm. not have to worry about shipping as i know trevor has to deal with 
<laughs> I have to worry about it breaking. Right. Well, it's or falling out of the envelope. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that one, I, I'm pretty positive somebody thought it was a gift card and opened it and tried to steal money <laughs> because it was a. He showed me the picture and it's like a clean, like razor blade cut. That wasn't ripped open. But anyway. Yeah, but even when I was shipping the dog feeders, besides the cost of shipping them, just making sure they get there in one piece and they're not... I had a couple Mm -hmm. that I shipped out last Christmas that just got destroyed during shipping. The boxes... They sent me the picture of the boxes. It looked like somebody ran them over with a truck. Yeah. I've had ones where I will ship it, and I'll take a picture before, and it'll be, like, this pristine box. Because it's, like, I bought a brand new box from Uline or whatever. Packed it. And then it gets there, and there's, like, a foothole through it. Like, Jeez. did you just play soccer on the way to the door? Like, Yeah. I've had a few where you can tell they, they drove the forks of the fork truck right through the side of the box and just yep. put a piece of tape over it. Tape fixes everything. Exactly. They'll do anything not to be liable. Like... I've had them. I've had them destroy a box, put it in another box, and then just tape it up. And then the person opened the box, and the other one was like water damaged, and like the like water came out of it. It's like what is going on with you people? But anyway, shipping is. We still need to do that as an episode. <laughs> I don't ship, so we'll have to have someone on here that ships. So Chris, since you do, like woodworking fairs and craft fairs and everything like that for other people that would want to get into that how long do you start prepping and batching out in order to have enough to fill your table Uh, normally not early enough so then it's the uh (laughs) the week before hustle but the last one i did um i probably started about a month out the dog feeders batching those out it kind of the workflow for that shuts down a lot of other things so I try to just set aside time to get those batched out. And then it depends on what I'm doing. So for this October, doing the signs, I'll probably start two or three weeks out for the smaller shows. It depends on the size of the show, too. I haven't done any that are massive, massive sized. Um, but for the smaller ones, I probably at least two weeks, three weeks ahead of time to start them. Do you feel like if you don't show up with enough inventory, you still have those people that contact you after the shows to order? Yeah, luckily, uh, the last show I did, I made more in sales from referrals and after calls than I did actually at the show. So for some of the shows, that's what I really try to target is just getting cards out, getting those future referrals. And it's nice to be able to be out and talk to people because they'll come up and see either like the charcuterie boards or some of the cutting boards. They'll, they'll be like, oh, I have a real estate business. Can you do a six by six board for customer gifts? Or can you do this? So that's normally where I see more of the sales as compared to actual day of. Do you take any other marketing besides business cards for them to take, like to remember you by? Um, I do stickers, like the small okay, one by one stickers. So mm-hmm. I'll give those out, especially to like the kids who come by in the booth so they have something to grab when they're sitting there and mom and dad are looking at a bottle opener and a dog feeder for five minutes having a conversation. Um, so the stickers have been real popular. So one thing I've heard of that you may look into, because you do craft shows a lot, is there are the little button makers where you can like 
punch out a design and make your own button. And people, some I've heard of people taking or getting those, putting them at their booth and charging like a dollar for kids to like make a button and it gives them like an interactive thing to do that's cheap. Is it like your logo or they can do whatever with the... They can draw like a design, like you just have a circle template, like print it out uh-huh. and they can draw whatever they want, like with markers. And then you punch it out and make it into a button. Nice. Yeah, there's a couple of people at the farmer's market who actually do that same thing. So you go up, you color on a piece of paper, and they cut it out and make a button out of it. My farmer's markets aren't this interactive. Do you just be fruits and vegetables? I haven't been to a farmer's market here. So. You don't have fruits or vegetables to sell at a farmer's <laughs> nope. market in Vegas. We so. have... <laughs> See, what would happen is you would be able to buy a cactus or a bucket of sand. That's about it. There's not really much else. Yeah, luckily up here uh, we have a good. I have a joke for that. Good amount of them. Brent would have to edit out. Well, you can tell us in the after show. <laughs> what well, in between this and the after show? And so. entice or or do it in the after yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the after show definitely gets to be like a little bit more like PG thirteen esque because it's a locked mm-hmm. thing. So it's like enter at your own risk. Like if you want well, to hear, it's a you know, if you want to hear the PG thirteen, yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel like with the recording the podcast, it's like mind your P's and Q's because this is worldwide that anyone can download and listen to. Yes. Yeah. And gotta be on my best behavior. I never, I never thought that we'd ever get listeners from other countries. Didn't it, someone wants to order out of the country like a swag pack? Um, yeah. So to that person, I am so sorry. I have not responded to it because <laughs> you sound like me. Well, I need to I need to weigh it to remember how much it weighed, and then get the packaging to make sure I have the right box, and then estimate the shipping to that country. Yeah, it's blows and my it's mind. a straightforward thing, but it's I it just keeps slipping my mind, and I'm a terrible person at remembering that. So I will try to get to it this week. You need an Alexa so she tells you later on. Don't forget to do this. But then. She just remember. She listens to my thoughts and then pops up ads on my Instagram like you. It's super weird. Yeah. See. So you think yeah. something and then I think your Alexa is reading your mind because then you automatically have an ad. That's how I how I often feel about social media because there's some stuff that pops up for my ads that I've never mentioned to anyone or Google see? and that specific item pops up in my feed. It's Alexa. So I think we're all microchipped secretly. I'm honestly like not a conspiracy theory person i just think it's funny that you have three alexas and you're constantly talking about how ads pop up <laughs> for things you never talked about i just like got the third one alexa. do you use them in the they, shop market or no i don't i would love to get my shop set up to where i could tell her to turn on the vacuum and everything i just i have three because i use um spotify and it plays it on all three so i have throughout the house so i can put it on like one's in the backyard and then one's in my bedroom and one's in the kitchen. So like when we have company over, you can turn it on and you can hear the music through the whole house. And I think that's very fancy that if you walk from room to room, you hear the same music flow and the volume adjusts on all of them. And I tell her to remind me to do stuff and she makes my grocery list too. So there's just little stuff I use it for. I'm not against one, but I have a, I have an Amazon tap and I've never used it. Oh, to the order stuff? No, I mean like I so I went to a conference and they had some 
a contest where like you went around to every booth and you answered questions and then you got your postcard stuck into a drawing mm-hmm. and i won an amazon tab i don't even know what that is it was like the first version of what an alexa was oh. but you had to like push the button to activate it uh see she probably isn't listening all the time then huh she's probably not listening all the time then no oh and so my doorbell is hidden in rock work in my front yard and no one can ever find it so now i have the ring set up to the alexa and then i can actually hear it because you can't hear the ring unless you buy the chime so that's tied in now too so that's actually nice i mean we're not sponsored or anything but i do love my ring yeah because now sponsored by them i'd love it well, now I can see that a package has come, and I'll tell my wife, and she'll go home, because she's usually uh, watching my nephews, or she's, like, taking kids to school, and I say, hey, when you drop the kids off, there's a package at the door, and she'll go get it, and then it's not sitting out there all day. Although, they don't ring the doorbell. Like, I've Amazon that. delivery people are not ringing the doorbell. I've noticed that a lot recently with my ring doorbell. Like, they... I have a lot of packages getting dropped off and they're not ring- ringing the main house doorbell or the ring doorbell. They're just leaving it and walking away. Yeah. they Well, they stand in front of it because it records the video anyway. They'll stand in front of my door. They'll throw the package down. <laughs> they'll take a picture and then they'll walk away. Yeah, I don't... Like, you could have rang the doorbell. Well, a lot of it stuff is like... A lot of the stuff that I get delivered is expensive you know what i mean not saying that like oh i'm all fancy or anything like that but it's like that mat- totally sounded <laughs> yeah but like, <laughs> like it's, a first world it's for like a project that i'm working on and it's like you know sometimes this stuff is like 50 bucks and it's not like i'm yeah. not like i want to spend another 50 dollars to get it replaced if they break it or if it gets stolen you know what i mean so it's nice being able to see it and track it and know that it's there and then if someone happens to come jack it i have footage of it so i do have a random question for you all chris right. Because I just went down one of these rabbit holes. What is one rabbit hole recently in the maker world that you spent money on to try something new? Would it be the laser? I would have to go with the laser. I thought that might be yeah. what it was. The laser. I just ordered a bunch of acrylic samples, which I didn't realize how mm. expensive acrylic was until <laughs> I okay. put that order in. He hasn't been listening to the podcast. Uh, now somebody else knows. Because Trevor talks about that all the time. It is so expensive. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, for I think the most expensive piece of acrylic I've ever used was a hundred and fifty dollars for a two feet by three feet by one sixteenth of an inch piece. Dear Lord. Yeah. Well, it's because it was like a layer of white with a layer of orange on top with a special film that made it look like crystal glass. It was expensive. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go that pricey yet, but. Yeah, if you want to use acrylic, it gets really pricey really fast. But it's so nice. It is, but when you talk about a two feet by three foot sign, like just your materials, if you buy them in like a 24 by 36 inch piece, you're talking like two colors is going to, by the time you ship it, is about 150 bucks. Yeah, luckily we have a place locally, so that's, I can at least not have to worry about shipping, but... I could only imagine if I had to get it shipped. Well, we have a local place, but you have to buy the whole four foot by eight foot sheet. Hmm. So, I mean, they'll cut it down to 24 by 36, but you have to purchase the full sheet and then pay a cutting fee for them to cut it down. Like, it's still cheaper than 
getting it shipped, but I don't need like, you know, 16 sheets of green. They're usually one-off colors that I use one time. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, just talking about like going down that rabbit hole, I think the same way the CNC started. I mean, Martina, you just went through doing the waste board and then you had dust collection and you had your mm-hmm. Z-Pro. By the time you're done with all that, you're down that rabbit hole and you're in double of what you put in to start. But really at this point, between the CNC and the laser rabbit hole is really just looking at it as an investment for me because if I'm going to go away as from... As long as you see it that way. See it as an investment? Yeah. yeah, and I think it helps too to kind of wrap your head around it's more than just a rabbit hole. Like, this is something I'm going to invest in for the business mm-hmm. and this is going to bring money in, not just push money out, even though after you start buying bits, sometimes it's... At least you won't need bits with the laser. That's true. You just need the tube. <laughs> that is true. The difference is, well, I don't know how much the tubes are on the K40, probably like two or three hundred bucks. Yeah. But the, um, that's the difference is like, you have to buy a $30 bit, but if your tube goes out, it's like a $300 tube for you. Yeah. For me, I think my tube was like 1300 bucks. Yeah. Well, the hope with starting with the K40 is kind of following the same I did with the CNC is kind of having the smaller machine mm-hmm. and see if it's something viable that will go in my workflow that's, before I drop yeah. 7000 on an epilogue, you know? And that's Well, that's where I started, is started with a use machine off Craigslist and worked my way up. Yeah, see, I don't, we never see lasers or uh, the CNCs too often on there. Dude, there's just garbage yeah. on Craigslist over here. $30 uh, circular saws. Yeah. It's like a 40-year-old drill that doesn't even charge anymore. They're like, 100 bucks. I'm like... Yeah, or you get like, or you get the drill, like, I'm talking like 80s drill with like the key chuck and everything, and they want like $90, and they're like, vintage. I'm like, no, old. Like, you're not going to be able to use it for anything useful. It's like, if you want to collect it, fine, but it's not worth 90 bucks. I like the rickety old table saws that are on sale, like, on Craigslist too, and it's like, we'll start your house on fire, 250 (laughs) So. I'm waiting for the one that just pops up that's like, had a near-death experience, $500. Yeah. <laughs> Our Craigslist is terrible. Like, there's nothing on there tool-wise that I would ever buy. Yeah, Ours used to be a lot better. I mean, when I first started building out the shop, a lot of stuff I got was from Craigslist, and there would be good deals. But now I've been waiting on a that's... drum sander for yeah. a year just to pop up. And sick. I'll see one every now and then, and it's three grand. I'm like, well, that's more than it costs new. Well, I feel like you have competition in your area, too, for makers. Like, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to grind it out. So I'm sure they're trying to pick up on Craigslist what you're trying to pick up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we had a uh, local woodworking, uh, not like a co-op, almost like a maker space. And mm-hmm. when they closed, the they had like their blowout sale at the end. And it was the amount of people that showed up to buy the used machines. I was shocked well people usually are like oh i want that and i want to pay five dollars <laughs> oh i feel like that too but i mean i can <laughs> find a deal like that yeah i got pretty lucky when i lived in south carolina because it seemed like there was like a a surplus of people woodworking and making so there were if you wanted a bandsaw there were probably like 15 on craigslist at any given time but the trick was, you know, to be early. So you'd have to check Craigslist like five times a day and hope that you were the first one to respond to an ad. 
Yeah, I set the alert. But there were a lot of tools there I, that were actually good. I have all the alerts set for Craigslist, but very rarely yeah. do I ever get anything that's a great find, you know? But it also helps, too, being up here in Buffalo. There's a lot of makers who, even for Instagram and just local, who we can share tools with, which has been awesome. Yeah, there's a maker nearby that when my CNC went down, I think around Christmas time or something like that, she said I could go use hers if I needed to to finish up orders. And it was, I'm so freaking worried that I'm going to break someone else's CNC since I can't use my own. I wouldn't take her up on the offer. So... <laughs> But uh, actually, one of the first things I did moving here, oddly enough, was make a bunch of maker connections that have like CNCs and plasma cutters and like all kinds. Well, of Yeah, tools you that... have that your buddy that works at the shop that has yeah. so much equipment that you have access. That place to has a everything. Lot. Yeah, that's like a freaking adult kid in the candy store situation right there. Like, which they've. I mean that. They've talked to me before about, you know, if I ever wanted to rent shop space. I was like, if I could afford it, I would. Because basically, renting shop space there means you get to use anything there. Which, but then they use your four stuff. foot by eight foot CNC. And then they use your stuff, which is the yeah scary part too. Because I'm always like territorial well, over my stuff. And I'm like, please don't touch it. Which, I mean, to their point, like all of their equipment together is a lot of money. But at the same time, it's like, okay, yeah, but do I really want to take my epilogue over there and have them abuse it like they... I've I've seen the laser they have, and it's not maintained very well, and I don't want that to happen to mine. Yeah, I mean, that's the scariest thing with having shared machinery like that, though, because you never know what people are doing yeah. with it before you start it, and that's... Yeah. Another reason why I bought my own CNC and now the laser because I'd show up and the one that they had would either be down or somebody crashed it an hour ago and then just left. Well, that's the problem. Is, well, this one I wouldn't expect that. Like, they'd fix it or figure out what to do. But maker spaces are a little bit more up in the air because just because, you know, we would do the right thing and we'd fix it for the next person. A lot of people don't care mm-hmm. or give a crap about other people <laughs> and they would just leave it broken and be like oh i didn't do it and walk away some people just aren't i don't know as, as thoughtful yeah. definitely people lack consideration for sure oh definitely like me because i abandon people when we're in the, we're at woodworking shows you just straight up ghost <laughs> Actually, no. You, yours was a little bit worse because you instigated something, <laughs> drug me into it, and then left, I, and then left me stuck there to talk to somebody. He's gonna take away my WorkbenchCon ticket. I, he's yeah, gonna I'm talk this out, and it. all of a sudden, he's gonna yeah. be like, "You know what? My wife wants to go. You can't go." Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I offered it to her. She's like, "Is it in Hawaii?" No. <laughs> She's like. Then I don't want to go. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Martina, did you go last year to WorkbenchCon? I didn't. No. I really need to like purchase my ticket, my plane ticket now, or lock in the price too, because it like I have the TripAdvisor alert on my phone for it, and it's like three fifteen round trip for October, and it's like four something for September and November. Nope, 
I'm lying to you about October for February. And then it's like the month before and the month after. It's like $100 different. So I'm like, I need to lock in my price now or I will not go to WorkbenchCon. Does TripAdvisor warn you of pricing? Mm-hmm. You can set up, Yeah. Okay. You're going to have to show me how to do that because I haven't done Ooh, that before. <laughs> look who knows more about technology. Well, I also try to stay like with Delta now because I have the Amex card that gets the free bag. And Can I just have my moment? No. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I looked up flights this week. They were like, they were already like $500. We have to go to Phoenix. I think we're going to Phoenix next month. And we set up a alert for tickets. And originally they were like 250 round trip. And it's, we're going on a weekend. So it's, you know, like you can't get an affordable flight. And the other day we got an alert and it's like tickets went up like 50 bucks a piece. And I was like, you better lock in the prices. Like this is outrageous. It's not even that far of a flight. So, and it's a direct flight from Fresno there. It's, I think they just up the prices just because they can. Yeah. Well, I would agree with that. Yeah. There's certain airline lines, like even at the price, I just don't want to fly them. It's like, I don't like, we tried to book with spirit once and like I booked the flight. I think we had like, their insurance or whatever and we had to cancel it for some reason but the reason did not fall under something that was covered by the insurance because it was like drilled down so deep that you basically had to be dying or dead to cancel (laughs) your trip and get your money back and then like everything with them was a hassle like booking it was a hassle so i just decided i'm never flying that one i don't think i fly often enough to have a preference well, like, I've flown Frontier before, and it was okay, but I think it's because Delta, like, I can choose my seat ahead of time, like, I can watch movies on the way, and I feel like there's more room in the seat, and maybe these are just, like, things I think that <laughs> I have that I really don't, but last time I flew, I think it was, like, Southwest, where you have to line up in your line, and then you, it's, like, first come, first serve to the door, and and then... You end up having a middle seat regardless. Oh. Because all these other people beat you to it because they fly more often than you. And then, like, I don't I don't think the last time I flew Southwest, I don't think they had, like, things to entertain you during your flight. So you're just kind of like, whatever. This kind of sucks. Yeah, I don't fly often enough to even know. <laughs> well, for a while I was flying more often. I haven't really flown since probably February. Work bench got mustard. Yeah. Um. So Chris, we say last year, but it's really still this yeah, year. Yeah, it feels like forever. So we're almost at the hour. So Chris, do you have any advice for people just starting out? Um, the only advice I could really say is really try to find your niche. I When I first started, I went very widespread, and it took me a long time to kind of drill down to not just what I enjoyed making, but what people actually wanted to buy, which is also important. And once it stops becoming fun, just... You have to pivot for sure. It sounds like you're doing that too because you got the new toy. So yeah, even though you're even though you're scared to use it. Yeah, after <laughs> it it'll come. It'll come for sure. Yeah, but yeah, after doing it for you know a year, kind of trying to figure it out. This 2020 is going to be kind of a shift. I did the rebrand of the logo on the company last year, and then this is really just a shift in product focus and really what I want the business to be outside of instagram and facebook and all those other outlets it's just something more tangible on the ground in buffalo for sure well thanks for joining us 
taking time out of your Saturday midday since you're on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of strange trying to like record with people that are three hours different. Because it's like it's 8 a.m. here, but it's, you know, 11 there. It's like smack dab in the middle of your day. So yeah. thank you for us taking up so much time from you. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. Well, you ready to go to this after show? Yeah. So for everyone trying to find Chris, you're, it's at ElevatorGrain716 on Instagram. Yep. Are you anywhere else? Nope. Just Instagram. Just, just Instagram. Now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Go check them out, guys. All right, on to the after show. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, head to www.makervisionpodcast.com where you can purchase merchandise or donate. You'll also be able to join the email list to stay up to date with the podcast. Find us on Instagram at Maker Vision Podcast or join the Facebook group Maker Vision Tribe.